Well, let me reiterate what's been said multiple times this morning. Let me say it again. I don't think it can be said too many times. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, I hope it's a blessed, holy, and happy day for all. You know, uh, from a pastor's perspective, holidays can be interesting things. On a day such as today, we always have to remember that uh, in our group, there may be some for whom it is a very happy day. There may be some whose... Uh, mothers with them, or they're planning to spend time with family and friends today, and it's just it's just a happy day. But there's also others who are not so respect with, not so happy with respect to the day. For some, my mom might not be well, and the thoughts of Mother's Day brings sad thoughts of the future. For some, mom might be in glory, and mom is just a wonderful and beloved memory. But still, the day turns from celebration to sadness. And we must always remember also that when you're talking specifically of Mother's Day, there's always the possibility that there are some who would love to be mothers. But for reasons known only to God, He has withheld that from them. And so it's a difficult and a hard day to try to figure out exactly how to approach it. We pray for you ladies today, wherever you are on that journey. And if you're in a good place, we laugh and rejoice with you. And if you're in a sad place... We uh, pray for God's comfort and God's strength today. Whatever it is you need from God today, we pray that you receive it and you have a truly blessed Mother's Day. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Second Kings chapter 4. Second Kings chapter 4. I'm going to read a fair amount of Scripture today. But uh, you need to hear all of it. It's a story. It's a narrative. And so we need to read it all. Second Kings chapter 4. We'll start in verse number 1. As is always the case, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning and wish to follow along, there's one in the chair in front of you. Same version I'm reading from. Second Kings 4.1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. And then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he, said, and he said to him, Say now to her, Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? 
Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, Call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, About this time next year you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready. Take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself on him. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came in to him, he said, Pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. Father God, we pray today that you would speak to our hearts as we think about these two mothers. And I pray, Lord, that it would be useful. Father, I pray there would be no distraction today, that we'd be able to concentrate on the Word. And I pray, Father, especially that uh, you'd help us to think about the lesson from each of these two. And uh, we'll thank you for that, Lord. Give, give me clarity of thought today, Lord. Help my mind to be clear. Uh, there's much on my mind today. And I pray, Father, that you would just uh, focus it on that which you'd have said. May I say things I ought not, things I ought not, and may I uh, be clear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to share to, with you this morning... Uh, a few thoughts about two mothers. Two mothers. There are several things of interest in this passage, to be sure, and we could profit by considering any of them. I mean, Elisha the prophet is mentioned here, and he's a wonderful story in the Old Testament. I would certainly encourage you to study that on your own. 
And there are at least three notable miracles here, and we'll touch on them a little bit as we go down through this. They would be a profitable study as well. But it's the moms I want us to consider this morning. There are two moms in this passage, and there is a lesson taught by both. So let's divide up our thinking this morning in two ways. Let's first of all look at their situations, and then let's look at their faith. Those two thoughts, if you're taking notes. First of all, consider their situations. And consider the first of these two mothers. We look at verse 1 in the first few verses of the chapter. We see that this first mother was a preacher's wife. A preacher's wife whose husband had died. And this left her in a terrible state. She was in a terrible state financially, and she was in a terrible state really in every other way. She was now a single mom in great distress. As the wife of one of the prophets, or one of the sons of the prophets, she had probably never known wealth, and she had probably never known financial security. She apparently had debts, and there's no question that she had them now, either accrued after the death of her husband or maybe left behind by him when he passed on. Now, we could digress digress here and, and, and spend a lot of time on one particular phrase in verse number one, which jumps out at me every time I read this passage. Verse number one, she said, the creditor is coming. And you know, we could spend a lot of time on that. It doesn't matter whether you're a single mom or happily married. It doesn't matter even whether you're married or single. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old, male or female. It doesn't matter whether you're blessed with a large monthly income or you're struggling to keep the utilities on and the refrigerator stocked. It doesn't matter. Uh, this verse reminds us of the dangers of debt. Debt is almost always a bad thing. A warning that sounded throughout the Bible, stay away from debt. The creditor is coming. Don't go there. Proverbs said the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. When this church decided we were going to build on the addition, this off to my right at this time, we, we took those things to, to heart and the church agreed we did not want to go into debt. And so with God's help, we were able to do that. And... Uh, no debt was accrued. But you know, many families are burdened with debt. Many individuals are burdened with debt. And so, I realize I'm off topic here, but we need to hear the words of this woman this morning. The creditor's coming. The creditor's coming. And so we need to be careful about debt. Jesus told a similar story to what is told here because the fact is, in that day, if somebody was in debt, the creditor could legally take the family. They could take the debtor. They could take the debtor's family uh, into indentured servitude, into slavery, uh, to work off that debt. Jesus told something similar in Matthew chapter 18 when he said, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. So it was a big deal. Creditors coming. And I know I've digressed, as I said, but I, I just wanted to mention this because you know the fact is no Christian should have to say the words, the creditors coming. One of the things that we've invested here at this church is, uh, is some tools and some, some classes and some helps. If you have that problem, we would love to help you with that and uh, get you to the point where you don't have to say the creditor is coming. But this woman did. And uh, I think she felt that God owed her something. And I, I like what she says in verse number one. She says, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. 
She seemed to be reminding Elisha, didn't she, that this couple had given their lives to the service of God. I can almost hear her saying, listen here, God owes me. Do you see that there? God owes me. And I don't know if she was right to think that or not. Do you think she was right to think that? Do you think that she was entitled to something special because of her higher level of service? I don't know. The Bible does say that the workman is worthy of his hire. The Bible does say, muzzle not the ox that treads out the grain. The Bible does say, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Those things are in there. There's no doubt about it. And many times the wives of pastors pay a terrible price because of the fact churches barely pay their husbands a living wage. You haven't had to deal with that here because I have been a tent maker the whole time I've been here. And so you've not had to pay a salary. But the time will come when that will be an issue with this church. And oh, I pray that you will not put a pastor's wife in the state that this one was where she was in such dire straits. And at the same time I say that, I also praise God, knowing that that would never happen here. This is the most giving church I've ever known. So I know you would not do that. But here she was, a pastor's wife in this state, a single mom in great financial distress. And she sought help from God in her need. And in the first of the three miracles described in this chapter, God met that need. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. The second mother in our story was completely different. The second mother in our story was a prestigious and hospitable woman. We see that in verse number 8. Unlike the first mother, she was married. We see that in verse number 9. But also unlike the first mother who had two sons, this one was childless with little hope of ever having children. Verse number 14. She was apparently a believer and not just in word. She practiced her faith openly and generously. She was hospitable. She uh, provided a missionary chamber for Elisha and Gehazi's use when they were in town. She was contented, contented with her lot in life. I see that in verse number 13 when he asked her, what can I do for you? And she said, I dwell with my own people. I dwell among my own people. Literally, that means I have a home among my own people. I am content. Uh, interesting woman. I think she must have been regular in her worship. I can't be dogmatic about it, but I think I see that here. I think I see it in something that her husband said. He, by the way, seemed to be like many husbands down throughout history. He was not the spiritual leader in his home, not the spiritual one in his home in any way, at least from what we see here, even though the Bible says, men, that the men are take leadership in spiritual things in the home. He was not. Throughout the story, she's the one who takes the initiative in spiritual things. It was her idea to help the prophet, not his. She seeks the prophet's help when the child is dead, not him. When she asked his permission to go to the prophet after her son died, he expressed surprise. And of course, he didn't know the reason behind her request, but he, he had an interesting response. His response was, well, why wouldn't you go today? Today is not the new moon or the Sabbath. You know what that smacks of to me? That smacks of Sunday morning only mentality. He perfectly understood somebody going to church on Sunday. He could not fathom that it could make a difference in your life. Any other time. I think like many today, he considered religion to be something you put up with on its day and then put on the shelf the rest of the time. She was blessed to experience two of the miracles described in this passage. First, in conceiving a son, even though that seemed impossible. And then when that child died, having him restored to life and returned to her. So this second woman, this second mother, was a wealthy, important, great woman, spiritual, hospitable, regular in worship and prayer. And as a result, she experienced great blessings from God. 
But she was not immune to pain and loss, and she experienced those things as well. So that's their situation. Let's look at their faith for just a moment. Their faith. And I think perhaps this is the most interesting thing about these two mothers, how their faith differed. Consider the first mother. She approached Elisha, and she asked for financial help. I'm in debt. The creditor's coming. You need to do something. But rather than opening his wallet, Elisha suggested that she try something completely different, something unusual. He asked what she had in the house. She said she had one jar of oil. Now, that would have not been a very large jar, just a jar of oil that was used for various purposes in the home. And apparently, the way she described it, that's her only possession. And so hearing of this, Elisha gave her some instructions. He told her to borrow jars and vessels from her neighbors, a lot of them. She was not to gather just a few, a lot of them. And then she was to take all of those and pour the oil from her jar into the empty vessels, verses 3 through 4. I think this was clearly a test of her faith. I think Elisha was plainly saying to her that according to your faith, so it shall be unto you. The oil would be multiplied to fill as many jars as she had. One commentator noted that this widow's faith can be measured by the number of jars she collected in response to the prophet's instructions. So, so she gathers the jars and she did exactly what Elisha told her to do. She took the first vessel and set it there and she started to pour out the oil. And she watched in amazement as the jar filled up. The jar reached the top and she grabbed another one or told her son to grab another one and put it underneath of that flowing stream of oil and watched in amazement as it filled up. And, and then another and then another and then another and then another. Until finally she said to her son, bring it, why not? Give me another jar. And he said, there are no more jars. And the oil ceased. The picture is of a continuous, steady stream of oil flowing out of that as long as there was a vessel to receive it. The oil continued to pour. But then when there was no vessel, the oil ceased. Or as the King James says, the oil stayed. And Elisha told her to pay her debts and live off of the rest in verse number 7. Now, I don't want to take this too far. Health and wealth heretics would have a field day with this, and I don't want to go that far with it. But we cannot escape the fact that her need was met in proportion to her faith, and her faith had a limit, didn't it? There was a limit indicated by how many jars she had collected. Now contrast that with the second mother. Contrast that with the second mother, who having received a child as a gift from God, suddenly found herself holding his lifeless body. In verse number 20, she knew whence he had come, and she also knew where hope for his restoration lay. So what did she do? She saddled up and she rode toward the prophet. And everything in this story about this second mother, everything in this story indicates she was going to stop at nothing until God answered her prayer. She didn't care about the physical difficulty of the journey in verse number 24. I don't care how rough the ride is. You just keep right on going. I don't care how fast you have to ride. You just keep right on going. Nothing was going to stop her. She wasn't going to be distracted from her single-minded focus of, re- of reaching Elisha, even when he sent Gehazi instead. She saw Gehazi, she just pushed him off and went right past him. She was heading for Elisha, not him. And she made it clear to Elisha that she would not leave him until her prayer was heard. Look at verse number 30. The mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. I'm reminded of Jacob. Jacob, when he wrestled with an angel. Remember that story in Genesis chapter 32? 
Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's what Jacob said. And as your soul lives, I will not leave you, said this believing mother. You see, I think this mother knew the source of blessings for her family had always come from God. And I think she knew that that was the only hope of healing now. It would come from God. And she was going to believe without wavering or giving up that God would help. And I think in, in, in a final wonderful demonstration of, of her belief and her faith in all of these things, we see in verse number 37 that even when she received the answer, when she received the answer to her prayer, your son is alive, go pick up your son. She walked into the room and before she even looked at her son, she bowed and worshipped. And then she picked up and tended to her son. So let's see if we can apply this. How might we apply this to ourselves? There's probably a lot of different ways, but I can think of one specific one. Moms, are there aspects in your life or in your home or in your family, with your children, with your marriage, aspects that you pray about? Do such things exist? Perhaps you know God can help and perhaps you've prayed about it Often. But I wonder this morning, which mother are you most like? Have you sought the Lord, but only up to a point? Or are you holding on and believing with all your might that God can and will answer? Are you like the first mother and running out of vessels? Or are you like the second mother, holding and holding and holding on to God until he responds? I'm tilting this lesson toward moms today because it's Mother's Day. I'm supposed to do that. But you know, this applies to all of us. Men, women, boys, girls, young, old, doesn't matter. It's true of all of us. We have a great God who can and will hear and answer even the greatest of needs. Oh, how we ought not to limit him. If we, hasn't, if we haven't got the answer just yet, we just need to hold out a little bit longer because he is great. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? He asked in Jeremiah chapter 32. And of course, my life verse is Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But you know, in spite of that, I think too many times I'm more like the first mother than the second. Is that true of you or is it just me? Oh, that we were more like the second, never giving up until we get an answer from God. Some time ago, I shared a uh, a word from John Piper, Pastor John Piper. I shared it in the men's prayer breakfast. And, and this particular article that I was reading was written for and about men, but his words illustrate the point, and I just want to share a little excerpt of that. He was referencing Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 1, which says, Fix your eyes on Jesus. And of that verse, Piper said, here is where many fail. They give in too soon. Hold the promise of Christ before your eyes. Hold it. Hold it. Don't let it go. Keep holding it. How long? 
as long as it takes. Fight. For Christ's sake, fight until you win. If an electric garage door were about to crush your child, you would hold it up with all your might and holler for help and hold it and hold it and hold it and hold it and hold it. That, I believe, was the difference between these two mothers. Both were godly women. I don't want to take anything away really from the first woman either. But I do think one believed only partially and the other believed completely and would not leave until she received. May God help you moms. May God help all of us to be like her. Father, we thank you so much for your word and I pray today this is helpful. I pray, Father, you'll help us all to be like this second mother. Father, I thank you for the faith of both. I thank you for the lessons from both. I thank you, Father, that uh, that uh, uh, we have such a great God that we can hold on to and trust and believe and uh, receive. And so I pray today, if there are those here today who are struggling with things in their life, those here today who maybe have prayer requests that they've, uh, they've voiced long and, and hard, and, and maybe, Father, they're running out of vessels, I pray, Father, they'd hold on a little longer. And I pray they'd be like this second and say, I, I will not leave. I will not leave until you bless me. And so help it to be the case today. Lord, we haven't spoken of salvation in this message. But, Father, it's been all throughout the day, all throughout the service. And so I pray if there's even one who the Holy Spirit has gotten a hold of today and is, uh, is whispering in their ear, you've never trusted Christ, you need to be saved. You could walk out of this place and be hit by a car and, and, and die and go to hell. You're not, you're not a believer. Lord, if there's even one like that, that knows that's their state, I pray they'd come to know the, the Lord today. And I pray they'd step out as we sing. Let someone take the Bible and show them how they can know. May they believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this day and be saved. But, Father, we've spoken mostly to believers and primarily to mothers today. And so I pray if there are those who perhaps just need to say, Lord, uh, I have come close to giving up. I'm close to running out of vessels. But, Lord, I'm going to hang on a little bit longer and believe you and trust you and keep praying. Whatever that need might be, uh, I pray, Lord, you'd help them to do just that. Some might need to come and pray. Some might need to come and rededicate themselves to those things. Whatever the needs might be as we sing. Speak to us and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.